What a good day already. What a good day already. Is God good? God is good. He really is good. Have a sermon this morning that the Lord laid on my heart, and obviously we're going through the tabernacle, and uh, we've, we've talked about the tabernacle as a whole, and we talked about the instructions that God gave and how there was one certain direction that he gave in order to approach him and his presence, and uh, we talked a little bit about that. Then we talked about the altar and how the life is in the blood, the power is in the blood, and without blood, there can be no uh, regeneration, there can be no renewal, there can be no atonement, because we've all got sin in our lives. I know a lot of churches uh, want to take out the blood, and they want to take out the cross, but I'll tell you right now, you can't have a church without the blood. You can have a gathering, you can have a meeting, you can have an organization, but you can't have a church without the blood. And so we'll keep the blood in, but I'll tell you right now, you can't stop at the blood, because if you stop at the blood, you stopped at death. In the outer court there where the altar was, it was blood, guts, and gore, and the stench of death all around. But we had to move. They had to move. The high priest had to move from the altar, and the next piece of furniture was the bronze laver. So they had to go from the altar to the bronze laver in order to get into the presence of God, and so do you. You see, without the bronze laver, without the washing and the cleansing of sin and the baptism that comes with that, the renewal of life, the new birth as we will see that this represents, then we cannot come into the presence of God. Because in, that God is light in him, there is no darkness at all. God can have no part of sin. So your sins can be paid for, but if they're not washed away, you still cannot enter into the presence of God. Now, I want to clarify a few things because what can happen here, and this will be one of my last notes, but I want to show you this real quick uh, in a little bit of an intro, is that what can happen here, if we're not careful, is, is that you can start to understand me saying that as a believer, there's a step process by which you come to know God. And if you do these things correctly, then you can know God, then you can come into his presence, and then you can be fulfilled and reborn. That's not what I'm saying, and I need to clarify that because it could be taken that way. So as we look at the tabernacle and as we get into all these things, I erase my other drama because I need to do some new ones today. As we look at the tabernacle, we know that there are different pieces of furniture in the tabernacle that represent different things, Okay. So as we go through the tabernacle, the tabernacle is made uh, in a certain shape, and we're not going to do all that again, so you know that, but when you first come in the door, so here's the tabernacle here, okay, there's a gate here that you must come in to go through, and then you get here, and there's a bronze lever. We're going to draw them really big so you can see them really good. So there's, the, not the lever, but the bronze altar right here, and then there's a bronze lever that you must get to it's the next one in the sequence of events so they, we have the bronze laver here so you go to the altar and then you got to go to the bronze laver or the wash basin where the water is the priests would wash themselves in so that they could get then go into the holy place and then after they go into the holy place they then could go into the holy of holies and once you go into the holy place over here to the right and now this is the layout of it uh, I didn't make this up this is the layout there is the bread of the presence okay so we've got the bronze laver here We've got the bronze altar here. We've got the bread of the presence here uh, in the middle, right before the tent, uh, the Holy of Holies. Let me draw that a little better. Uh, the, right before the Holy of Holies was the altar of incense. 
And uh, I'll be glad when we get to some of this stuff right here because it's really good. And then on the left side, and this is how it's laid out, is the uh, menorah or the golden lampstand, which represents the church and Jesus Christ being the true vine and we are the branches. And then here, and I misspoke last week just because I got really fired up and I, and I started talking really fast. Remember I told you that the, the bronze altar was five by five, five cubits by five cubits and three cubits deep. Five by five, five is not the number of perfection, but is the number of ministry and completion. So we know that this is a completed work, but it's not a perfect work. But what did we say uh, was the number of per perfection? Huh? Come on, let's talk to each other. Seven, that's right. So, and I had said that the seven was the... Uh, Aaron's rod in here that budded but and and it is in there we find out in Hebrews but that's not the seventh piece of furniture we have the bronze altar one brazen laver two altar of incense three brother presence four golden lampstand five then the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat is number seven so just to clarify that really quick it's a side note but what we see here is that the tabernacle was made in a certain way according to a certain design and all of these had to lay out exactly like they are here and if you didn't lay them out like this then you were coming to God wrong and you would get killed Okay, so you have to get to the, the bronze altar, then you have to move to the bronze laver, then you have to go into the holy place, and you have to uh, light the golden lampstand so you could see, you have to light the incense so that they would rise, and that they would please God, sort of like intercessory, this is prayer, and then the bread of the presence that you would feed on the bread of the presence so that you would have strength and energy to go in and then be in the presence of God, which was covered by the mercy seat. Okay, now, the only reason I do that again is, is that what we can do is say that um, okay, you're a, you're a baby Christian and you're here. And I'm a grown-up Christian and I'm here. So we can make the distinction between Christians. Now, uh, we will get to the place in the sermon today where I want to I wanna know, is salvation a one-time deal or is it progressive? Okay? I want you to know, though, that, that we're going to talk about this. And what I'm saying is that Christianity is not a step, it's not a pragmatic step process that you go through in order to uh, get right with God. Okay, we get right with God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to demonstrate that today, but I wanted you to know that as we look at this, remember that we are talking about one act right here. Jesus Christ is here. Jesus Christ is here. Jesus Christ is here, 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 and here. All of this is Jesus, 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 Jesus. Before we get in, I want you to remember that because I want you to be looking for Jesus. That's why I did this in the introduction. I want you to be looking for Jesus today as we talk. First of all, let's pray. Spirit, I'm so glad that you're here today. God, I get nervous when I start to talk about things that are really too deep for me. God, I am a simple man, and uh, I try my best, but I know that at the end of the day, if you don't come, and if you don't interpret what I'm saying, and if you don't give meaning to what I'm saying, then I'm wasting everyone's time and mine. So therefore, I'm so thankful that I don't come on my own merit. I don't come on my own wisdom or on the wisdom of men but on the proclamation of the word of God. And so, Spirit, I pray that you would take this word and that you would wash over us, that you would help us to understand what it means, that you would protect and guard the words that come out of my mouth, that they would be biblical and accurate, and that they would be good for the edification of the people, and that they would build us up to good work so that we might glorify you. Help us, God, to continue to see and feel your presence as you move in our hearts and as you write your word on our hearts, as we progress in our understanding of who you are and in our level of sanctification, God. Please make us holy this morning as 
you are holy. Please change us from the inside out, making us more into the men and the women that you would have us to be. God, forgive us of our iniquities and our sins and our transgressions and all the baggage and all the junk that we bring into this place as we stand before you and try to learn about you. God, I pray that you would wash all of that stuff away right now so that we would be able to present ourselves before you as a pure bride ready to love her husband. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in Exodus. We're going to jump all around today, but the first uh, place we're going to be is Exodus chapter 30, verses 17 through 21. Exodus chapter 30, verses 17 through 21. I'll get that in a second. All right, today we're talking about the bronze laver, and we've talked about the bronze altar last week, and we could have talked about the bronze altar for four or five or six months, okay? There's so much there to unpack that you could continue on and continue on, but we're talking about principles that last forever, and you have your sins justified, you have your sins justified at the bronze altar. Uh, the, The goat is slain for you, the penalty is paid, the sin is washed away by the blood of the lamb but now we've got to do something with the blood we've got to present ourselves Jesus presents us uh, to himself to the father as a pure bride so this is where we are now we are at the bronze basin or the bronze laver the wash basin called several different things and let's read about the bronze basin in I'm sorry Exodus 30 verse 17 through 21 The Lord said to Moses, you shall also make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar and you shall put water in it with which Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet. That's going to be significant. When they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister to burn a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash with water so that they may not die. They shall wash their hands and their feet so that they may not die. It shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his offspring throughout their generations. So we get to the bronze basin and we understand that this is very significant to the plan to get to the presence of God. God put this here for a reason, and it's here for a reason for them, and it's here for a reason for us. And when you start to understand what the water basin means and what the wash basin is there for, you can start to reflect on who you are in Christ and where you are in Christ to see how far you've progressed in the whole idea and the work of sanctification and regeneration. Okay, so I want to just draw out three things today. And this, again, is a huge topic, and I beat my head against the desk trying to figure out what exactly do the people need to hear today, because I don't have 18 hours. So I've got three for you today that after pleading with the Lord, he showed me that I need to show you. Number one, the wash basin, uh, this is the aspects of the bronze laver. Number one, it was for washing and regeneration. It was for washing and regeneration. You see, the water is representing the, representing the baptism of the Spirit and the new birth. Now, it's representative of a couple of different things, and I'll bring some of those out. I won't get to every aspect. But the first thing we read in verse 17 and 18 says, The Lord said to Moses, You shall also make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing. 
You see, these guys, these, these priests that had just made these sacrifices had come away from the altar and now they had made the sacrifice for the sins of the men, but they were covered in blood which represented the sin, the death of the sin. And so the way that they would go into the presence of God is after they would make the sacrifice for themselves and for the people, they then would come to the wash basin and they would cleanse their hands and they would cleanse their feet and they were, were to be barefoot before they went into the Holy of Holies. Okay, so there's, this is very applicable to us right now because after you are cleansed of your sins through the justification of sins on the cross, you then must enter into what's known as sanctification by which you go to the base and you go to the spirit of God through the water, which is the word of God, and you wash your hands. Okay. Now, this is not something that you do alone, obviously, but that God leads you in. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are washed clean so that you can in, then enter into the presence of God. Now, this washing and regeneration is not simply, obviously, a, a, a physical thing. Okay? It's not, a, it's not a physical thing that you would need to be clean on the outside. As a matter of fact, we remember the verses where Jesus was talking about the Pharisees. They took this as more of a physical, legalistic thing, and Jesus looks at them and says, you, you think that you're great because of the outside of your cup is very clean, but when you look inside the cup, it's disgusting. You whitewash tombs. You see, he looked at him and he said, you look really good on the outside. You, you, you have claimed belief. You have claimed that you, ha you are a believer, but you have never been cleansed on the inside. Say, what he means is, is that you speak a good game, but are you transformed by the blood of the lamb and by the washing and the renewal of the spirit? You see, there are many of us in here even that have many times in our lives and maybe even right now, we talk a good talk, but we don't walk a good walk. You see, we say, I believe in Jesus, and we want to take the justification of sins, but we want to stop right here, and we don't want to enter into sanctification, which is ridding yourself of the filthiness that is inside of you. And so we are made in the likeness of his death, but we are not raised in the newness of life to walk then into the presence of God. This, in my opinion, is the distinction between someone who claims Christ and someone who is truly born again. So the first thing under that point is I want to show you that uh, this water is representing the baptism of the Spirit and the new birth. Uh, if you want to turn with me or I'll just read it, you can look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3 is very significant here because it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is in another, word, another way, it is talking about the new birth. John here is talking, or Jesus here is talking to Nicodemus, and if you start in uh, chapter 3, we'll just start in verse 1, and it says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, so he acknowledged him as a good teacher, he acknowledged him that he had the words of righteousness, that he had the words of the truth, and he did some amazing things. So what he's saying is, I believe that you're a teacher. I believe that you have some things for me. I believe in you. Okay? But it goes on. This man came to Jesus. Know that you're a, I know, we, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him. Now listen to the answer. Now Nicodemus comes to him and he says, 
Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. You see this acknowledgement of Jesus Christ's truth and Jesus Christ's position that he is from God, okay? But there is a distinction here between this type of believer and another. I want you to look at Jesus' reaction and response to John uh, to Nicodemus. He says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What kind of a response is that? I think every response that Jesus ever has to someone is a response that draws out of them that which hinders them from true life. It was true when he talked to the rich young ruler. It was, it was true when he talked to sinners alike. It was true when he talked to Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him and said, essentially said, I believe you have the words of life. I believe that you're a teacher. I believe that you come from God. But Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, but you're not born again. Friends, that should scare the teetotal poo-poo out of you or set you free to the newness of life. Let's, let's continue on. Nicodemus, is that better than the word I used last week? That's got to be a little better. Nicodemus said to him, now I want you to listen to the response. Now, some of you thought that that was crazy up here. I know there was at least one of you who thought that was crazy up here. Somebody might have left. I don't know. I'm not even kidding. It looks like a few left. But when that man started praying up here, that was the power of the Holy Spirit moving. I don't care what you say. I mean, you can leave if you need to, but I wasn't going to quench that spirit. I wasn't going to quench that spirit because I felt God moving and the Holy Spirit was here, and that's what transforms lives. We can talk all day long. I can run my mouth. I'm really good at it. But it don't make a hill of beans difference unless, uh, except the power of the Holy Ghost enter into you and do a work inside. Amen? Listen to what Nicodemus said. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born while, when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? You know, he looks at Jesus. He comes to him and he, said, he acknowledges that Jesus is from God. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're from God. You know, da, 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 da. And Jesus looks at him and says, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus looks at him and says, this is, basically says, this is foolish. He says, well, you want me to climb back up in my mama? You see, the things that are cross are foolishness to those that do not have the spirit. You need to get a little foolish today. You need to get a little foolish today. When was the last time you stepped out and looked like a fool for Jesus? You say, I don't think that's necessary. I don't see how it's not. The things of God, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Why do you think that you always need to do exactly what you think you need to do? You want to be transformed by God? You want to see the presence of God? You want to see the glory of God? Get crazy. Like Cesar, he's a nut. I tell you, just went to Brazil a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I was. Uh, I met this nine-year-old uh, girl who was hooked on crack. Yeah, I seen. I seen Jesus. Uh, I seen a demon working in the street through this woman who was just man. You should have seen it. Hats off, brother. He's willing to go. How many of us are willing to go? How many of us are willing to look crazy? How many of us are willing to do the crazy thing? You want to see God change somebody in your circle? Then get outside your circle. You can't keep, you know what the definition, and this is a side note, and I'm chasing a rabbit here for just a second, but you know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. Why do you think that you're going to see people come to Jesus Christ if you just keep on doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over? I wasn't planning on saying that, so 
We'll take that from the Lord. Jesus answered, truly, after he said, what, do you want me to crawl back up in my mama? Verse 5, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I believe that the water and the spirit here is synonymous that you must go through the washing of water, that the, the Holy Spirit must pour over you. When we see the baptisms throughout the whole, the, the whole Old Testament and the New Testament, what we are to understand through the Red Sea and through uh, the flood of Noah and through all of these things is that there is going to be a baptism, a great baptism that would kill the evil and promote the good, that there would be a baptism by fire, that there would be a baptism that your sin would not make it through, but that you would come out alive for the first time ever you see this new birth this baptism of the holy spirit is what marks a true believer or true israel from those who have lip service we are to be a distinct people set apart as his holy nation we are to be baptized by the power of the holy spirit born again ezekiel 36 25 through 27 some of my favorite verses in all of scripture have this to say now I want you to think of the washing and the labor that we are to sprinkle and to wash ourselves, to wash our hands clean. The high priest was to wash his hands and to wash his feet so that he could enter into a oneness or a relationship with God into the Holy of Holies. I want you to listen to Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. Listen to this. This is, this is Old Testament. This is Old Testament prophecy of what he will do. He says in verse 25, he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be made and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be, be careful to obey my rules. You see, God is wanting to do a work inside of you. He is wanting to do a transforming work inside of you that goes from heart, from lip service and head service to heart service and heart transformation. And I know we talk about this all the time, but I don't know if you get it. I don't know that I get it. I want to get it. I'm pleading to the Lord to help me get it. And I tell you, this morning before you ever came in here, I was pleading with the Lord. I was sitting by myself in the dark and I was pleading with the Lord. Lord, please show me your glory. Lord, please fill me with your spirit i pray that your spirit would rain down and fall down in this place that we might understand what it is to be filled by the power of the holy spirit so that we would walk in the newness of life so many of us are stuck you want to know we talked about last week so many of us are stuck at the brazen altar so many of us are stuck at the bronze altar and we can't get away from the death but we need the, bra the, the bronze labor to get from the death to the life and the presence of god so many of us are stuck at the blood. So many of us are stuck thinking that we're no good, that we're sinners, that we're unworthy. And you're right, you are sinners and you are unworthy. But not anymore. Not if you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Because when you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, you have the right then to move on to the bronze laver and have all your sins washed away. You're no longer. You want to, see, we talked about this a little bit last week, and I can't spend a whole lot of time here, but we want to say, but I'm filthy. And we, we all know the verse in Jeremiah, don't we? All of your righteousness are as filthy rags before the Lord. That was true before you came to Jesus. 
That was true before you came to Jesus. Now everything you do is a wonderful incense in his nose. Unless you're steeped in sin, which quenches the power of the Holy Spirit and reverts you back to a state of ultra-like death. So many of us have the right to stand in the newness of life, but we keep laying down in the grave. Why do we do that? Why do I do that? The second is, and I don't believe that there's a, there's a distinction here because you can go and you can see some distinction in, in the scriptures, but I think that this is, is really talking about the same act. And so the, this water is representing the word of God and sanctification as well. And what I would say is, is like this, and I've been meditating on this for a little while, and, and some people draw out different, different aspects of this labor, different aspects of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, different aspects of when it happens and all that kind of stuff, uh, different aspects of being washed in the water and being baptized in the Spirit. I believe that these are simultaneously happening at the same time. I would say this, that you are baptized in the Spirit by Jesus through the Word. That it is the Word of God. And I want to show you that because at the end of the day, you can't, you go and find it for me, a scripture that talks about being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit without saying that it's through the Word of God. Because without the Word, we don't know. Without the power of the Word, the, the Word, the Holy Spirit interpreting the word and making the word, writing the word on our hearts. You heard it in Ezekiel chapter 36. Listen to what it says. As he talks about, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Then he goes on to say, he says, I'm gonna clean you off. Then what does he say? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This this hearing of the word and the transforming of your life, the changing of your desires. As your desires are changed by the word of God, this is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You see, in Galatians chapter 5, we read that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all of these things. Remember what it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. You see, this is the fruit of the Spirit. So as you are born again and through that birth, the way that you are born again is you go through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You are born through the Holy Spirit into a new family. You are given a new life and a new heart and a new set of desires. Now which you are to feed on what? The word of God and the presence of Christ. You see, all of this works hand in hand. You can't just come to the altar and have your sins forgiven and say, okay. It doesn't work that way. One that has been born again is starving, is starving for something that would help him to grow. Babies need food or they die. What are you doing to feed the Spirit of God that's within you, Christian? The New Testament reference I want to pull from here is, is found in 1 Peter. And there's so many. I mean... First Peter, <clears throat> just go and read all of First Peter, all of Hebrews, all of Acts. Uh, just go and read the whole Bible. Um, but I want you to listen to this. First Peter chapter 1, and really, go and read First Peter. I'm telling you. First Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Listen to this. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. You see, you were born through the word and since you've been born through the word, now you work out the word. 
The word of God brings life to you and it is what the Holy Spirit uses to renew your spirit. We know that the word of God is powerful for salvation. Some of you have claimed to know Christ. I've been guilty of this. Claim to know Christ but haven't picked up his word in years, months, days, weeks. And you think that you're okay. You're starving to death and maybe you're never alive to begin with because we are tested by the word of God. He goes on to say, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. This is how you are reborn. The rebirth is simultaneously happened by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, him coming in and washing away the sins, renewing and reviving your heart. We see also in Ezekiel chapter 37, when, when, when he talks to, he says, oh, son of man, talking to Ezekiel, which is also Jesus Christ's favorite designation for himself. He looks at Ezekiel and he says, prophesy to the Spirit, prophesy to the Spirit, call out to the Spirit that it would come and that it would speak and give life to these dry bones. You see, so the Spirit must come in, but what happened when the Spirit came in? What triggered the Spirit to come in? What did the Spirit use to come in? It was the Word of God. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, speak words to the Spirit. We must be washed and sanctified. We must be moving in that direction. We must be regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit through the washing of water, through the word. Ephesians chapter five, I didn't have time to go there, but husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and washed her with water through the word. We are to be continually cleansing ourselves from sin and from unholiness. You think it's okay to know Christ and, and, to, and to live in filth? You think it's okay to love, to say that you love Christ, but not experience the continual renewal and washing of the water with the word. It's not okay. It's not okay. And it's a sign that things are really not okay. I hear people talking, and this is not in my notes, but I hear people talking all the time about once saved, always saved. Now, let's clarify. I believe that once you're saved, you are always saved. I believe that once you have truly come into the presence of God and been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit and have been born again, you can't go back out of that. But let's clarify something real quick too. The only person that can claim once saved, always saved is the man or the woman that is right now continually present tense living and loving and believing in Jesus Christ. I have people come to me all the time. I say, I prayed that prayer 15 years ago, so I'm good, preacher. Once saved, always saved. I said, uh-uh. I don't have time to go into the Greek and to the breaking down of the verbs and the, and the tenses and all that kind of stuff, but I'll tell you right now, I'll, I'll use this one. I've got to move on. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You ever heard that verse before? Well, let me tell you something about that verse. A literal translation of that would say that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever is continually present tense believing into Jesus Christ will be saved. Only the person who is believing right now can claim once saved, always saved. Only the person who is believing right now can claim the assurance of salvation because you're the only one that has the evidence that that is true in your life. 
Would I say that you lost your salvation? No, I wouldn't. I would say that you were never saved in the first place because we know that whatever Jesus has, whatever Jesus gathers unto himself, he will never lose. What then shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Shall death, life, or anything in between? No, sir. No, sir. If you are Jesus' property, son, then you are his, and no one will take you away. The question is, are you a true believer? Are you a true child of God? Test yourselves, which is the next here. Number two, and we're going to be running a little late today, but I want you to see this, though. The second thing I have for you, we're going to go back to Exodus chapter 30. We continue reading, the Lord said to Moses, you shall also make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing. He goes on, you shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar and you shall put water in it with which Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet. They shall wash their hands and their feet. Number two, it was was for preparing and for empowering. It was for preparing and for empowering. Listen to this psalm, very powerful psalm right here. Psalm 24, starting in verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will it be that will ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will it be that goes into the presence of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? Who will make that journey and who will stand in his holy place and have communion with him is what it's saying. He who has cleaned his hands and a he who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully he will receive the blessing from the lord and righteousness from the god of his salvation such such is the generation of who those who seek him who seek the face of the god of jacob do you hear what he says there he says he who shall ascend the hill of the lord he who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false You say, preacher, I have come to know the Lord, so, you know, my sins don't matter. There's forgiveness. No, your sins matter. You see, if we preach grace without the law, if we preach grace without spiritual discernment, if we we preach grace without spiritual commitment to the the destruction of sins, then we give people an out and a false doctrine and and a heretical teaching that it doesn't matter how you live. You can do whatever you want to. And Jesus has got you. But Paul says very clearly in Romans chapter 6, he says, so, so then should I sin so that, may, so that grace may abound? Absolutely not. You have to go on back a little bit to catch that verse. It was for the preparing and the empowering. You see, uh, Romans chapter 6, you can jump. Hey, look at that. No, Romans chapter 6. There you go. He's dancing pretty good back there. Romans chapter 6 tells us very clearly, listen to what it says. I'll go back to verse 1 just for a second. I'm going to jump ahead. It says, what shall we say then? Are we, continue in, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that. You see, you were buried with him in baptism unto death. You were buried in death, but it is for a reason. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. 
that we might walk in the newness of life. Go ahead and skip on down to 11. Listen to what he says. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ Jesus. I'm telling you right now, guys, this is a practical solution to your spiritual problem. Now, some of you have spiritual problems that you need to be born again. You've said some words, but your heart has never been in this. You've never loved Jesus Christ or an everlasting love. You've never committed your life to him. You've never been uh, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've never just really just given yourself and been all in for Jesus. And you know whether or not I'm talking to you. You know whether or not I'm talking to you. Because you know that you still have some things that you're just not willing to give up for him. A halfway faith is a no, no faith. Faith without works is dead. You can't halfway love Jesus and you know, talk a couple of prayers and expect to spend eternity with him. It doesn't work that way. You give it all to him or give none to him. Okay? But those of you who have, who have come to know the Lord and, and you struggle daily with the conviction of sins and you just don't know how to go, you don't know how, what to do, you have no dominion over sin, you have, you have just sins that's wrecking your life, let me ask you very practically, how much time do you spend in the Word? I very, very rarely, very rarely ever met anybody that's in the Word every single day that is overwhelmed with sin. I don't know that I've ever met them. Now, does that to say if you just read the Bible every day, it's a magical solution that sin won't bother you? No, absolutely not. But if you are pressing in and digging into the Word of God and letting the Word of God trans, see, there's something about the Word. There's something about the word. There's something about the word that it washes over you and it cleanses you and it prepares your hands for the work of the Lord. You see, if you're always looking at your hands going, how do I get this off? How do I get this off? How do I get this off? You see, you can't look out there and see what needs to be done with these hands because you're looking at the hands saying, how do I get this off? But if you put your hands in the, in the wash basin and you wash them with the water of the word, then you have clean hands and you can go and work. How do I get this off? You stick your hand in sin. How do I get this off? You stick your hand in sin. How do I get this off? Stop sticking it in the sin, you idiot. <laughs> stick it in the water with the word and wash them clean so that you can be used. You see, this is the preparation that you need in order to go out and make a difference. If you are, and I was talking to, I've talked to several people about this, but you want to quit uh, looking at porn? Several of you have uh, porn addictions in this room, and I know you do. And it's, it's, let me tell you this, and I know we're late. If you need to go, I understand. Several of you are overwhelmed by sin, and you, you keep saying, I don't know how to, I don't know how, I don't know how to, I don't know how to. If you don't know how, it's because you're not listening. Let me tell you something. If you want to overcome your addiction, whether it be pornography or drugs or greed or pride or whatever it is, then you must be washed over with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Does this make sense to you now? I'm trying to show you that, you see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the washing of the water is just like the flood. This is a good word picture. Let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. So what we have here at the water basin, what we have here in John chapter 3 and 1 Peter and Romans 6, what we have is, is that we have this, this idea that if the water comes, 
and it washes over you, then you will remain in life and the sin will be gone. Okay? I want you to just, that's easy. You get that? Raise your hand if you get that. If you are baptized and washed over with the Holy Spirit, then you remain a child of God and the sin is gone. Just like when Moses was fleeing from the Egyptians, he went through the water and he made it, but the evil didn't. This is representative of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you will dive into the Word, if you will wash yourselves in the Word, if you will get into the Word, you see, you cannot be a porn addict and be satisfied with God. You cannot be a drug addict and feel comfort with God or be at peace with God. And you say, well, well, I, I just can't stop this stuff. You can't start that stuff because you won't start Jesus. You can't stop that stuff because you won't start Jesus. You see, as you get close to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes with him, and that sin can't make it through that fire. That sin can't make it through that fire. I hope this is making sense. If you want to live a life, hey, I'm not done with that. <laughs> no, that's okay. I just got one last thing right here. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. This is just kind of important. I'm going to wrap all this up right now. Bronze altar, bronze laver, altar of incense, all of these represent aspects of the cross. But what I want you to see is the, fourth, the third thing right here, and this is the last thing, and, and I just had to get to it, I'm sorry, is this. Exodus chapter 30, last point. They shall wash their hands and their feet so that they may not die, it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his offspring throughout their generations. This shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his offspring throughout their generations. This was something that was to be done over and over and over and over and over forever and forever and forever, which has implications in our lives. In Hebrews chapter 10 and throughout chapter 9, chapter 10, throughout the book of Hebrews, it talks about Jesus Christ being the perfect Lamb of God, talking about Jesus Christ being the fulfillment of the shadow of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And what it says there, it says that when he died once for all, he then went and seated himself in the heavenly realm being the perfect sacrifice of God and the perfect agent by which we would be cleansed forever and so what I don't want you to do is say well I made it to the altar I will never get any farther well I made it to the bronze lever but I'll never get any farther you see we are a a holy nation we are we are a brotherhood a, a priesthood a holy priesthood we have been covered in the blood of the lamb and what I don't want you to see is all of these steps while this is progressive it is and as you become mature in Christ and as you seek the Lord through the word of God then you will enter into the the presence of the Lord and you will eat on the bread of the presence and the and, and the flesh of Christ and it will make you strong and it will lead you to offer up prayers of incense that are a wonderful aroma to, to the Lord and pleasing to him and you will be part of the golden lampstand and you will grow in this and you will understand the gifts that you have in order to be used by God to lead others to the ark of the covenant but what you understand is all of these all of these are absolutely completed and perfected in one man in one God man who was the perfect high priest forever Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world listen 
child of God. It is within you. You're beating your head against the desk. You're beating your hand with a hammer. You're wondering, how do I do it? How do I do it? It is, it is within you. It is within you. It is within you. I would ask today that you be obedient to the Lord. That you come to the cross of Christ and you enjoy all the aspects of the cross. Because Jesus Christ did it all. And it's all there waiting on you. Don't be hard-hearted. Submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. Get into the word of God. Listen, I want you to be used by God to transform this place. But if you refuse to get into the word, then you refuse to be changed and you refuse to let God use you to make a difference out there. I can't do anything about that. I wish you wouldn't be so stubborn. I wish I wouldn't be so stubborn. Get in your doggone Bible this week and get strengthened because little feeble hands and little feeble Jeremiah, I was reading the other day, Jeremiah chapter 33. Strengthen your weak hands and your feeble knees. Let's go to work, children of God. Let's go to work. Time of laziness is over. So as you rise to your feet, I want to give you an opportunity to be born again. If you've never been truly born again, and if you've got a question about it, well, okay, yeah, now you can go. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry man. <laughs> Listen, how many of you have ever truly been born again? You know, that's a question that only God can answer. Only you can answer that question. You know whether or not you are in love with Jesus. You know, you can have mental sin all day long, just like Nicodemus. But do you look at some of this stuff and you say, eh, I pray for your soul. I pray that it would be made pure, that you would be made whole. And so today I want to open up the altar and I want to give you the opportunity to come and I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you for healing. I want to pray over you for the healing of your emotions, for your spiritual healing, for your physical healing. I want to pray over you. And I believe the Spirit is here. And if you need to go, I understand. Time is, time is valuable, but Jesus is eternal. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down here. And I'm going to have men of God. I'm going to have Timmy no, no, come down here. I'm going to have Mark come down here and Phil Bocamp and Robert. I want to have you guys that were down here. I want y'all to come on back down here. Come on back down here. Because the, because the Holy Spirit is moving here today. And I think that there are some of you in this congregation right now. There are some of you in this congregation right now that have lost sight of the power of God. You've lost sight of what God can do with a believing heart. You, you, you've become rather stale in your faith. And you say, Brandon, I don't even have the desire to, to read the Bible. I don't have the desire. Well, I think that God Almighty, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can even change your desires. As a matter of fact, it is necessary unto salvation. Because there are none of us who seek Him. No, not one. There are none of us who go after Him. We all have gone astray. Would you be moved this morning to come and let us pray over you for power? Would you be moved this morning to, to come and let us lay hands on you and at least beg the Holy Spirit to impart wisdom to you and power and empowerment to you, to impart to you a new understanding and a new revelation of who He is? Would you be willing? I want you to come right now. Come right now and we will lay hands on you and we will pray. And this is no magic cure. All we're doing is pleading with the Holy Spirit. All we're doing is begging God to come and meet in a, in a certain way. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to get down. I'm going to leave it to these guys. I'm going to get down right here. I'm going to ask them to lay their hands on me. 
Because I want to see God move. How many of you want to see God move? How many of you are willing to get a little bit crazy this morning so that the Holy Spirit might do something crazy this morning? So the altar is open. Maybe you just need to come and repent. I don't know. Maybe you need to come and and be reborn, born again for the first time. Maybe you need to come and ask forgiveness for some things that you've been dealing with. I'm not sure what you need to do. Maybe you just want to come and thank God for who He is. The altar is open for all who are willing to step out of their comfort zone, be washed in the water.